All right, this is Heavy Radio Episode 8, uh, coming at you live here, back at it again, um, down here in Austin, Texas. Um, we are without Marco today, but we have um, guest host Jeremy Hall is back. Jeremy, how you doing, man? Back from Episode 5. Yep, yep. And we have a special guest, Jake Luddington. Jake, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Yep, yep. So, um... We're going to kick things off here with some news as we do. Uh, let's see what we got. Um, as you guys know, there's not a ton of stuff going on with the in 2020 for music news. We do have some fun things here for you guys. Um, let's see here. So first story I picked up um, from Consequence of Sound, um, Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. Um, did an interview with them and he said that uh quote they are never going to fucking retire so i like to sing that as a as a news story title that so far they have happy. not no i'm glad to hear Hopefully. that because after every album i ask myself is this going to be the last one right yeah and they keep rocking them and i've really dug their last couple so um it's just good to know iron maiden have no intention of slowing down so some uh, some happy metal news for us. Awesome. Let's see. Uh, next one up I got here. Um, I don't know if you guys um, are big fans of Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. Growing up. Excellent. Hell, yeah. Well, they have, um, I don't know if you've heard, they have the third movie coming up, uh, Face the Music. And uh, they just released the um, soundtrack listing, and they got some heavy hitters in here. Um they got some Lamb of God, Mastodon, Animals as Leaders. Um, and they got the full list here. I got this from uh, Metal Injection. And uh, so it looks pretty rad. Um, I don't know if you guys ever, did you guys ever listen to the uh, the original soundtracks back in the day from the first couple? That, that sounds like they, they've definitely evolved their musical taste over time. Because I feel like it was more right. hair metal. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, from the first one, <laughs> I remember the, the standout, I think, was... Uh... Did Bullet Boys do a cover of Rock Candy on that? I think that might be right. I, I, I think that sounds I think right. that's the standout from the first one and then the Megadeth song on the second one. Yeah. Uh, yep. Go to Hell, I think. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah. I just read uh I think David Elfson just posted something recently on Instagram about filming that video. So I guess the second movie was supposed to be called Go to Hell, but then they changed it to Bogus Journey. That's right, so. yeah. I remember that. A lighter-hearted title. I remember seeing but, um, some sh- pictures on the internet when they were filming the third one, and of course Keanu Reeves is fresh off of John Wick three, doing uh, that, and he's walking next to—I don't remember the other guy's name—but um, he's a he's a pretty short guy, and Keanu, yeah. <laughs> and you've got basically John Wick walking next to him. It didn't yeah. really—it it was hard to pretend. Yep. You know, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah. I'm looking at the original, uh, the original soundtrack, and there's like an extreme song on there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to play? I think, or yeah. Tora, play with me. Tora Tora, <laughs> Tora Tora has a song in there. Like so, it's like that's a that's a big, uh, big departure going to Lamb of God and Mastodon. We're getting serious. Hell yeah! I guess uh, I guess Animals as Leaders uh, co-wrote because like the band that they are in in the movies called wild stallions right. and um uh animals as leaders i guess is playing on one of the wild stallions tracks so that's pretty cool nice. 
Um, so yeah, I'm excited for it. I guess it comes out uh, just over a week from now, and they're doing the video on demand thing because obviously theaters aren't running. So um, I'm excited. I'll be ready for yeah, it. Yeah, I've been waiting for that to pop up. I thought it'd be on demand. That's good to hear. Hell yeah, yep, yep. yeah. I think it was supposed to come out like Memorial Day or something, and then they pushed it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. That's cool. We won't have George um, Carlin for this one though. No, right. that's a bummer. I guess they have a song about a Mastodon song. I think is about Rufus, so it's like a Rufus tribute. Looks like. Oh, awesome! So. I can't wait to hear that. So hell yeah, <laughs> these are all things I like. Um, yeah, the next story um, came through Loudwire. I've seen it everywhere. Um, uh, Pete Way, uh, the founding, uh, one of the founding members of UFO, uh, has passed away at age sixty-nine. Um, uh, P-Way has a huge influence on uh, metal industry and a lot of metal bands. Um, a lot of household names grew up on listening to UFO. Um, I know myself personally, huge UFO fan. Got into them in high school. Um, yeah, super influential. Um, Do you guys ever listen to UFO much growing up or any of his other bands? I guess he was in Fastway and um, Wasted also. Yeah, Um some UFO. UFO is one of those bands that on paper I would have listened to them a lot more, but they I just didn't cross paths with them, with them that mm-hmm. much. But whenever I did, I enjoyed it, and they're always one of those bands I wanted to go back to more. But I find myself putting on the Strangers in the Night album from time to time because that one's awesome, and that's the one people always mention. Um, and mm-hmm. I found it at a record store for like four bucks one time, so I just, I just, go, <laughs> oh, really? just go, go and put that on. Um, Wasted, I never really listened to. I loved the first Fastway album. And in doing some reading after hearing about him passing, learned that he left before they even recorded it. And I was like, oh, oh I really? was like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because Fastway was great. Yeah, the, the, the first three, you know, through the trick or treat stuff, I, I loved them. And then I kind of, my it tastes went elsewhere. And then by the time I came back, like they were gone. And I don't know much about that era, but. Yeah, that's a bummer. Got to, I got to, yep, yep. Uh, well, Dark Mirror, in, in one of the incarnations of Dark Mirror, got to open for UFO in Des Moines at Peoples. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And uh, that was that was something. Yeah, I remember uh, Mark calling me uh, about that gig, and I was super jealous. I was out in L.A. at the time, and, yeah, he called me and said, they were opening for, you guys are opening for UFO, and I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah. I was so happy for you guys. But yeah, like, well, that's red. Whatever happens from here, I can say I open for UFO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kid, man. So, yeah, so um, hugely influential player. Um, sorry to hear about the news, but um, the music will live on, of course. So any of you guys out there, if you haven't listened to UFO, definitely check them out or any of the other projects Pete Way played on. So rock on. Um, let's see. Then... Um, it's crazy to think about live shows at the moment, uh, but for Bloodstock 2021, uh, Merciful Fate has been confirmed for um, Saturday night's closing band. So that'll be the headliner for Saturday, which um, which will make them joint of headliners. They're going to have uh, Judas Priest and Devin Townsend. So uh, Merciful Fate will be closing Saturday night for Bloodstock. Nice. So that's pretty rad. So I know they were thinking about playing together or had been playing together, but uh, I've seen King Diamond, but to actually see Merciful Fate um, would be pretty kick-ass. Yeah, that's a strong lineup. 
Yeah, no kidding. I wish I could get to it. So 2021 20 seems like a far way away, but um, I guess it's not so much anymore. This year's been flying by, as I'm sure you guys know. Um, but yeah, so, so that's the news updates um, I found. Um, aside from that, there's just too many to really, li- really list, but it seems like a lot of musicians we're all digging are, are um, recording right now. Um, so I know, like I saw, like Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm said she's working on stuff. Like that was just today. But every time I check out the news, there's just like a ton of bands writing. So that gives me hope for 2021. So kind of offset the some of the other not so rad news. So um, be excited for the new music next year. Yeah. But um, so I want to um, go to our next section. Uh, just kind of. Um, talk to you, Jake, and um, uh, since we just kind of chatted in the beginning, wanted to circle back and just kind of ask you, um, uh, so basically, well, I guess, Jeremy, if you want to um, say how you met Jake and how you guys got to know each other, and then we can kind of roll into Jake, uh, uh, what you've done with uh, your life and music and um, kind of your story a little bit. Sure. I don't, I don't even know. How did we meet? Like, grade school, but, like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't remember a specific memory about that. Yeah, as far back as my mind goes, it just it just goes back to we lived uh, almost across the street from each other. And I don't know if it was just proximity mm-hmm. there, you know. I mean, that was back in grade school or maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like. I feel like our original connection was through Matt Long because he was like the guy that had all the music because he had an older brother. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yep. If if Matt was involved, then that would have been it. Yeah, because I I moved, I moved here and then became friends with Matt and then everybody else I know kind of sprung from that. Um, yeah, yeah, that was kind of he was sort of the touchstone for a lot of us. I yeah, think. but yeah, we graduated from the same high school. Uh, I'll just go back to say it was in the '90s, um, and <laughs> and. Uh, and lived near each other, ended up uh, playing in, in some high school bands in different formats over the years. Actually, Jake's brother was even involved in some of that, his younger brother. Um, yep. And that was a good time. And then we, you know, we went our separate ways and did our adult growing up. And then uh, I contacted him for something like job related. And I don't know, we'll get into that. And uh, I think it was, if I had to guess, it was probably 2003. I was trying to think of that because I don't think mm-hmm. my daughter was born yet. She was born in 04. And yeah, I feel like that was like, I think I was living in Seattle at the time. But okay. yeah, yeah. So it would be maybe 2004, 2005, yeah. maybe. And I think during that conversation, it came up or someone told me in passing sometime that once upon a time in probably the late nineties, I guess that he owned a live venue in Des Moines, which I was not at all aware of and wasn't <laughs> involved in the live music scene really at that time. But I'm like, wait, what? He owned it? He's like, yeah, yeah. And book bands. And I'm like, really? So when heavy radio came about i'm like well this would be a good time to maybe chat with them and get some of the details because there's got to be a story in there and it's been long enough you know who, yeah like 20 20 years whose feathers 20 are we going to ruffle at this point so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah right. yeah yeah jake how'd that uh how'd that come to be um you know is i i don't even remember i was actually looking for a place that i wanted to have a venue and um, the Safari Club had been around for a long time and it had been more of a, a like reggae and then kind of evolved into metal and uh, um, and Sean Cran who's uh, you know clown from Slipknot mm-hmm. was the like ended up with the bar I don't remember like how and he was uh, he was wanting to get out of the bar to focus on on having a, a band that you know turned out to be 
uh, somewhat popular. And uh, <laughs> those guys have done all and, right. Yeah, yeah they yeah, pretty done, good. Done all right. And so, uh, like, it happened to be that the, the timing lined up that uh, I, I took over the bar from him. And then, uh, you know, for me, it was really about uh, th- there was not there was not a uh, like lineup of shows happening in Des Moines that that were really like what I wanted to see. And so I and I, I did some research and I was like, the best way to actually make that happen is not to try to go out and be a promoter because you, you don't really make a ton of money as a promoter necessarily unless you can, you know, unless you can book like Metallica level bands into like the Wells Fargo Center or whatever. Um, and if you're a promoter, so only, even if you're a promoter, you still have to have a place for these bands to play. And if there's nowhere around yeah. that really does it, you're a promoter with no venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like the, owning the venue. And, and the other part is that owning the venue, then you're also making the money on the liquor sales and everything else. So mm-hmm. you're, you, there's there's fewer people cut in on the on the deal. Um, and so, which allowed me to be able to like, kind of, uh, have more flexibility in picking like the types of bands that I would have come through. So, so it really became about like, what did I want to see? Like probably like mm-hmm. if you want a, a really, uh, interesting example. So I had, uh, during, I can't remember what year that was cause I owned it from, um, would have been 97 to 99. So only, only two years, but, mm-hmm. uh, there was a Ozfest one of those years that Incubus and System of a Down were on the Ozfest side stage bill. They weren't big yet. Mm-hmm. And on an off day coming through Des Moines, um, Snot headlined and Incubus and System of a Down opened up for them. And I actually lost money on that show because nobody knew who the heck they were yet. So really? that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't lose a ton of money, like a hundred bucks, but still. Yeah. Like the fact that, that you look at that caliber of bands and like right. no one had heard of them and so nobody showed up is kind of hard to believe yeah yeah that's probably crazy to to see them too when they were um really getting their footing to see those bands i would argue they were better then but right on <laughs> yeah i bet the energy level was crazy that's red that's red cool yeah i was gonna ask you um so like somewhere obviously there's some red highlights there um do you have any other like some some really big memories from owning that club or um any other thing that comes to mind? Um, you know, I have so many memories that the like the music scene at that time in Des Moines, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great now. I just I'm I'm very disconnected from what's happening in Des Moines, but the, it felt like the music scene at that time was in sort of this unique place where um, all of a sudden there was a whole lot of attention on Des Moines, particularly um, as as Slipknot was emerging, and. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I did their label showcase show at at my bar. Um, so like Ooh. Ross Robinson was at my bar and mm-hmm. John Ross, who's like Guns N' Roses manager and some mm-hmm. some other folks. And so it, it was really kind of uh, surreal, like just the amount of attention that, that was happening. And there was also like, um, you know, there, there was uh, drama within the music scene because, you know, Corey left Stone Sour and joined them and... So then there was all this like bifurcation of people and, and, like for a period of time. And, and, you know, I was seeing it like every day because the people were always at, always at the bar and I was talking about it. I'm sure it wasn't really as dramatic as it seemed, but like, I felt like I was living in this like music soap opera a little bit of the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot of big things were happening. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, energy in the air and just, um, I'm sure everyone could feel that something 
something was going to happen. So that's really cool. I can't imagine that's Ross rad. Robinson in Des Moines. <laughs> right. He get probably some... couldn't. He probably couldn't imagine himself in Des Moines <laughs> either. But <laughs> he get some tasty tacos. Man. <laughs> he tells that story at least back then. You know, a little differently. There's words like shithole and uh, <laughs> what am I doing here and <laughs> things like that. But it, it worked out in the end. It did work out in the end. Well, you know, and, and uh, you know, the I think also the follow-on to that was, like, uh, he produced At the Drive-In's album because of Paul Gray from Slipknot. Um, oh, right on. Because he made the intro because Paul, Paul loved At the Drive-In. And, and they were, like, they were like one of the most intense shows I ever saw. Like, they, like that show is probably one that sticks out in my mind, pre-Ross Robinson, of, of being, like, one of the greatest live shows I've ever seen was At the Drive-In at, at Safari Club. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that kind of, kind of bleeds into my next question. I was going to ask, uh, uh, what you guys thoughts on, um, the current live scene. Um, obviously things have kind of changed in general, um, over the last years, but also with everything that's happening this year, um, kind of want to get you guys take on, um, uh, the, I guess the live scene now, obviously, where it's very different, but kind of what it's going to be like going forward, and even the changes that have been happening you know, leading up to 2020, and I guess what you guys see for live music. So, at least where I'm at in Santa Cruz, because there's a there's a University of California school here, uh, there's a lot of bands that come through, and so I still like I, I could every night of the week be it like ha- have my choice of shows that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and that was actually like, for me, like just kind of like tying in the point about like what I liked about um, music in Des Moines was 80 and 35 meet in Des Moines. So every band on the planet has to go through there. Right. And, you know, they may not stop, but like at, at a minimum, it's a potential like gas money stop for, for touring bands because, because it's a easy, it's an easy day trip to much larger cities. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. so I think, I, I think music scenes uh it's easier to build a music scene in a place where you know that like people have to pass through and the, and so like here in santa cruz that's that's definitely the case because it's it's a stop people want to make because there's a bunch of college kids here who will go you know drink some beer mm-hmm. and, and watch a band true yeah we uh here in austin it's yeah like every night of the week there's like tons of style you can see almost every style every night of the week somewhere um so it's cool we have seen some venues um sounds like they will be shutting down um and then even before everything happened this year we had some venues that were gonna shut down but it seems like uh on a much more positive note it seems like everybody's really energized to to help the uh the music scene here um there's definitely like a vested interest in funding it which is cool um I think people still, at least from what I see here, people still want to get out and go to shows. I, I've been out of the Des Moines scene for a while. Um, Jeremy, I don't know what you've seen back home in, in Des Moines, but here are still some people trying to get out and support musicians, whereas sometimes I saw it go up and down maybe in, back home in Iowa. Yeah, pre, you know, pre all the COVID stuff, it feels like it was on the rise, you know, with um, venues like Woolies coming to town and drawing some more um well stuff like you know touring bands that that stop in between chicago and denver or minneapolis mm-hmm. and kansas city you know they'll grab we've been grabbing more um bands that i used to have to drive to omaha to see or places like that 
um, the the local scene. I mean, venues are of course going to have a hard time with the shutdowns and everything. There's not really much happening around here, you know, because of all of that. And I don't know who's going to come back from it and who won't. The only hope I have as a, a customer of all those is I I hope it pushes them to try a little bit harder, you know, because like what Jake mentioned, I think Des Moines is a it is a key stop along the way. And a lot of those bands just drive on through and they don't stop. And I think they don't stop because it's not a lot of people to play in front of is what they've seen. And that's what I see when I go to these places. And I'm, I'm part of the problem because I don't participate in the local scene as much as I should, but I blame it on the venues going, they don't really give me a reason to come out there on a Tuesday when carcass isn't in Des Moines, you know, well, why do I want to go hang out there? what do what do you have here you know what um make it a fun spot on the off nights and build clientele so you so when the shows come to town you've got all your regulars plus the people that just come out for the shows um Mm -hmm. you know at my age i'm looking for something to do in the evenings i'm not dealing with kids at home anymore or anything like that my wife wife wants to go to bed because she's up early doing something great i'd rather go out and do something but if there's nothing to go do, you know, there's there's all the trivia you can handle, but none of these <laughs> n- none of these, you know, late night spots want to cater to to the music crowd unless there's a band on stage and the bands aren't going to be on stage if there's not a music crowd. So you got to it's kind of like you got to just get them there d- do metal trivia, I don't know. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Something to start getting getting people hanging at these places. And then, uh, then I think the bands will come and oh. I think that's, that's, that's interesting. Cause I think, I think that's the same challenge that existed back, back when I had a bar is that, uh, you know, trying to build a consistent clientele that would come no matter what right. was tricky. And I think, I think partially that's because Des Moines is a, is still a small enough place that the people that are into any one genre are not like a critical mass that are all going to like, you don't have like a true punk rock bar or a true metal bar or, or back when I was doing shows, it was like ska was a thing. And so there were like, you know, there were some kids that were big into ska and, mm-hmm. but like all of those people kind of the commonality was they were all like genre nuts about a specific style of music. And so they would all come to each other's shows because they knew that, that, uh, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't an alternative where they could just only go focus on their own genre. And, and so I think that's, that is, still Des Moines challenges it's quite like size wise I think it's it's not quite big enough to support a like metal only bar or whatever yep I can Mm -hmm. see that yeah I think I'm pretty hopeful I've just we've here in Austin there's definitely been a lot of worry about some of the venues closing and uh and I know that I find a lot of a lot of new bands just straight up from uh, from social media and everything but I think there's still, I find, is nothing like actually being um, at the venue with the band, with other fans, enjoying that music live. And I think that that's something just can't be replicated. And so that for that reason, I, I feel hopeful. And I, I've seen signs that our, um, our local government here is even trying to help the situation by trying to subsidize housing for artists and help artists with... Um, with healthcare and try and keep some of these venues alive for just, you know, to have places of art in the city. Um, so I do have hope for it and um, I'm hopeful for 2021. I know for one, 
from even just for myself like i can't wait to go play shows and stuff so i'm writing music but actually getting out to play it for people is um just a completely different thing so um, is, it, is austin actually doing shows right now no everything no. is we're completely locked down here so yeah it's us in florida and, and well yeah and you know california just getting really hit bad so yeah they shut everything down here um I've seen hints of people trying to do socially distanced concerts in um, part of the country, but they're not even doing that here. Like everything's just, it's locked down. So we might even get further locked down, but we'll see. But um, yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple, like in Iowa, I, I've seen a couple of people talk about they were going to do some patio shows. I don't know if that's like, if the the uh, hurricane that passed through is, is preventing that yeah, now. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> be standing right. only on the patios i don't think there's any patio furniture in the state anymore like it all landed <laughs> in illinois <laughs> yeah um so yeah we're, we'll see what what we decide to do here but it's yeah everything's pretty much locked down yeah. but when they do um, when they do allow them you know and, and it feels safe you know I'll, I'll get out there and try to support them you know we talked about it episode five you know buying merch from places like that to help them out Yep. In times like this, those the small venues are certainly the most important because that's where everybody starts out who performs anything has to go to the small places. And, and mm -hmm. just from seeing shows, I mean, the best shows I ever saw were in small venues. You know, the best Iron Maiden show I ever saw was Bruce Dickinson at the House of Blues in Chicago in 97 right. on the Accident of Birth tour, you know, and the house of blues is not small. That's not what we're talking about, but iron maiden's huge, you know? So, so it's mm -hmm. relative, but I saw, I've seen trans Siberian orchestra a couple times and I don't really tell anybody about it, but I tell everybody about standing next to Chris Caffrey when he filled in with metal church at the vaudeville muse in Des Moines, you know, and I got mm -hmm. to talk to him there, you know? So it's and that only happens in a small venue. You're not going to bump into anyone from yeah. TSO at at the the Enormo Dome. Who gets the who, who <laughs> right. gets the reference? Um, you know, it's those small venues where you're going to bump into people, and that's every every show where I've bumped into Anders from In Flames or some of the guys from Opeth. It's in these tiny places in Omaha, Nebraska. You know, you're at the bar next door. Mm -hmm trying to get something to eat and, and walks the band you know and it's and that that doesn't happen at, at the big places the big places are going to be fine when you've got fifteen thousand people that want to pay to see something they'll find a place to put them you know it's those mm -hmm. little places yeah. so do what you can yeah definitely and i i think there'll be um i'll speak for myself anyway i think i've found a new appreciation for it for everything and making sure i actually make that support like because i've been at shows and i've seen bands with merch or um things like that and i don't actually take the time always to pick up a shirt but i think um after all this i think i will kind of be i'm definitely gonna be more conscientious of well this is really cool we all get to be together and watch this band play and drink a beer like this is awesome so um so i'm looking forward to uh next year things get a little bit better uh but yeah, but awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Jake. Uh, so appreciate you stopping by. And I'm sure there's more crazy stories for another time. <laughs> we'll have to do a part two uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to uh, swing over to our final section for the show and um, talk some music tracks. 
Um, and usually what we do for our first time listeners, we pick out um, five tracks for the week, stuff we're rocking and um, headbanging too. So, um, so Jake, since you're our guest for the week, um, would you like to start off with uh, your first track? Sure. And uh, I've, I've kind of got a through line a little bit for the, uh, the, okay. three, old, the three old tracks that I uh, selected is that uh, Martin Birch passed away. I think that was, was it on Monday? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Producer and engineer of, uh, of what I would argue are probably Iron Maiden's best albums. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think after Fear of the Dark, things maybe are not as solid for me, but uh, still good that they're out there making music. But uh, mm-hmm. The, the thing that was interesting to me about looking at the songs that uh, from from bands where he produced the album is that there's actually a lot of similarity in the sound. I mean, like much like we were talking about Ross Robinson earlier, and you could definitely hear a distinctive, you know, production fingerprint that he kind of puts on the, the albums that he does. It hadn't really ever connected for me that, that Martin Birch actually has a similar kind of thing. And so um, Black Sabbath song... Um, Falling Off the Edge of the World uh, is one that, uh, for me, is, is an amazing song, but it sounds like it could have been um, an, an Iron Maiden song in, in many respects because of mm-hmm. the way the bass line sounds. And there's a guitar riff that, to me, I feel like it, it maybe sounds like the instrumental part of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner a little bit. And, okay. uh, but it's also, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a killer stand on its own. Um, you know, like I, I, I'm trying to remember if that was the first album that Dio did with... That was on Mob with, Rules. Uh, that was the second one. Yeah, Mob Rules. So that was the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that that sound that Martin Birch brings to to music for me is is something that uh, like I have consistently loved, and mm-hmm. and that particular song. It's a, it's a you know it's got a nice progression. It's got an instrumental opening, um, you know, and and you know goes in and gets heavy and. Yeah, now this this band, those albums still today, all these years later, still sound huge and dynamic, and you can hear everybody in the band and just energy and all still comes through. So hell yeah, I'd like to know kind of what hand he had in the production on some of that stuff. That you know, honestly, that that's the podcast I want to hear. I want to hear producers talking about what they did mm-hmm. on these albums because the producer terms vague and you know, you look it up and you, you get yeah. an understanding of it. And even if you know what it is, it's vague per band, you know, some bands need it in some areas, some whatever, but that is a crushing song. I, I just love that one. I think that's one of that song has one of the most unique vocal melodies to me. You know, the, the way that he sings those lyrics, it doesn't, it's one of those things where if you listen to the that by itself and then you listen to the riffs by itself it's like how do these even fit over one another and you listen to it and it's perfect i'm just engaged listening to listening to him talk about that and it's magic i've been listening to what well for me the other thing about that song is it doesn't sound like a dio song Mm -hmm. like like a lot of the songs that, that black sabbath did with dio sounded like like you know like some version of rainbow and Dio together. Yeah. It sounds like it's from the days of yore, you know, and, and that song couldn't sound more current. I've been listening to that one too. And I cut some lyrics out of it and send them, send it to a friend of mine, you know, and after this whole, all this wind that blew through our state and and it was, you, you think you're safe, but you're wrong. We are falling off the edge of the world, you know, as we're my cousin's, sending me a text going here we are in the middle of a pandemic getting ready for a hurricane she lives in north carolina with a side of rioting 
you know, and then and then a week later they had an earthquake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, who, yeah. Who expects an earthquake in North Carolina? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, look out. That makes about as much sense as a hurricane in Iowa. Mm-hmm. One of those land hurricanes. This one had its driver's yeah. license. Um, uh, Jeremy, what's your first uh, classic pick for the week? So. Um, I'm, I picked kind of a, a strange one for the for the playlist so far. I went back to 2012, which I don't. It's old, but it's not that old. To the first uh, Tremonti album, um, okay. and the uh, the opening song, "All I Was." Um, people might know Tremonti from Creed. Uh, I wasn't really a Creed mm-hmm. fan. Uh, they might know him from Alter Bridge. I, w- I, you know, I like Alter Bridge. I saw him live. I don't really consider myself a huge fan of theirs. I like their stuff. Uh, and then his solo band, just Tremonti, came out where he's he's the guitar, he's the vocals. They do have another guitar player, Eric Friedman, who's awesome. Um, but I super dug these albums and didn't discover them until maybe two years ago. Didn't know anything about them. And I, I heard mm-hmm. that they were out there and his band came through town. And I'm like, and a friend of mine was like, oh, we got to go see Tremonti. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And he was on the cover of all the guitar magazines for all the years that I wanted the guys I liked to still be on the cover. So I didn't really pay any attention to him. And we went and saw him at Seven Flags and uh, got to meet the whole band. They hung out at the merch table, got to shake his hand. The guy has a Grammy. Um, and it was one of the best shows I've seen in a long, long time. And I've, I, I challenge people to find the mu- a prolific as, uh, musician as that dude is. Um, I've just kind of absorbed all of his stuff in the last couple of years, and I'm a big fan of those albums. So if you haven't, if you haven't given him a chance, you know, check out the first Tremonti album. Right on, yeah. I knew I've known Alter Bridge, of course, Creed, but yeah, I've never listened to the Tremonti records. But but yeah, I'll check yeah. it out on your recommendation. There's four of them now. Have they, have they improved the sound? Have they improved the sound of the uh, Seven Flags venue? Because that used to be like one of the most horrible sounding venues in, in the area. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy it. It sounds like an airplane <laughs> hangar. There's a place in Iowa City yeah, that big sounds and familiar. Open. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it sounds like that it used to be a tennis court, which is what yeah. it was. Like, yeah, you, you might as well have yeah. left the nets up. That's not going to hinder or help. Um, my classic track, uh, first one, is uh, it came through on just my um, my uh, shuffle radio is uh, Marilyn Manson's Dope Show. And I picked it just because um, I had heard it not too long ago, too, at Target of all places. Um, it came through, and... They were playing Dope Show at Target? Yeah. Well, That's was, awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, uh, but it came through. But, um, but yeah, just, like, I was... I hadn't listened to it in for so long, and, um, and it just kind of... How modern it still sounds, which is cool, and... I, when it first came out, I was in, I would have been like middle school to high school area and I didn't know as much other music. I was still like laser focused on like the big four and those were my bands I was listening to. Um, so I hadn't really discovered like David Bowie or Alice Cooper yet. And so hearing the song now, 20 ish years on, um, I was surprised how much the those influences come out in that music and how modern it sounds. So um, 
it's one of those songs we've all heard a zillion times but kind of to take a step back from it and then go back to listen to it is pretty cool so um any of you listeners that weren't around for the Marilyn Manson years when he was like the guy um definitely go check that song out I consider myself in that era I that that whole genre missed me um and that's something I need to go back and give it a try I, I haven't given it given that era a try those first couple of albums from from Marilyn Manson were definitely like like they were genre defining there for a little while. Yeah, I'm not sure what I was doing then. I remember some of that stuff coming out. It feels like that was the tail end of MTV, and it just started getting started getting a little bit, a bit strange, and I wasn't ready for it. So I was just stuck my head back into whatever I was doing and <laughs> kind of kind of ignored <laughs> it. So I'm not going to stand here and say I didn't like it. I didn't like it immediately, but I hadn't gone. I, I haven't listened to more than two Marilyn Manson songs in a row, you know, ever. So that's something I need to give it give a try. There's a shift. Yeah. So that's cool, man. Time capsule. Uh, uh, Jake, what's your next pick, sir? So my next one, um, I uh, I picked it to tie into what we were talking about with uh, UFO. So I picked um, Michael Schenker Group's Assault Attack, which is the title track from the album Hell Assault yeah. Attack, which is uh, Martin Birch also produced and engineered that album. Uh, and there's, if you listen back to that, there you can you can hear kind of that same same similar through line of uh, similar bass bass line and guitar tone that uh, which. Michael Schenker is not known for having a guitar tone that would sound like anything out of Iron Maiden, but that album and and that tr- that track in particular, I was like, you know, this like did he just sort of have this like uh, you need to you know sound like Steve Harris or uh... <laughs> right. yeah, no, that song still kicks so much ass. I'd like yeah, that's one I gotta crank loud as shit, and then also gets like speeding tickets when I listen to it in the car. So it's one of those songs. I think Mark. It was funny because I, I I was looking up that that particular track and uh, like the YouTube the the YouTube video that came up first the first comment is I don't normally listen to Michael Schenker in the morning but when I do so do my neighbors. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. Hell yeah! Awesome. I think I think Martin Birch is a rhythm sections producer. I would yeah. think uh, bass players and drummers would dig would dig what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, my yeah. my next one um, is a cover. I chose uh, a Blue Oyster Cult song, "Burning for You," covered by Iced Earth. Um, right I on. I didn't know they did that. Yeah, they had an album called "Tribute to the Gods," where they did. Well, we're gonna have to run through this because you, you're gonna want to listen to this. Um, so, side tangent. Uh, it's all. That's all I'm here for. Yeah, it's all covers. It came out in 2001, and they do "Creatures of the Night," "The Number of the Beast," "Highway to Hell," "Burning for You," "God of Thunder," "Screaming for Vengeance," "Dead Babies," "Cities on Flame," "It's a Long Way to the Top," "Black Sabbath," the song "Black wow. Sabbath." That that's ambitious, and then and then <laughs> "Hallowed Be Thy Name." all his covers. Wow. Awesome. And then there's a good choice. <laughs> if you hate iced earth, just go listen to those songs by the original bands and you're going to have a hard time finding a better use for an hour. Um, but that's a good mix. Good. Play yeah. Mix. As covers go, they're burning for you, kind of giving it a modern guitar sound. Um, that song's got mm-hmm. just awesome hooks to it. I, I love the, I love the vocals to it. Um, it's a fun one burning for you. 
I'm surprised somebody hasn't yeah. re-mainstreamed that song by uh, doing a re-record because that's one that would totally work. Right it's now. timeless, yeah. Yeah, it's it's super catchy. <laughs> um, let's see, mine, my next uh, old school pick, uh, just from a few years back, um, but it's a band called Hellfire, and the song is called Wheels of Fate. Um, they're definitely a band that's keeping the uh, new wave of traditional heavy metal going. Um, uh, I got these. I caught these guys when their new songs "Mania" came on my playlist, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" So, um, they're. I'd say, of new bands, um, it's rare for me for to actually get like the hairs on my on my arm to like stand up because of how much I'm like just love a song, and these guys. Um, do it especially with this track so um, definitely go check out Hellfire if you haven't yet but the song is uh, Wheels of Fate kicks ass I'm not familiar with that one is that Hellfire one word or two uh, two okay. words yep. yeah I think there's another band called Hellfire one word but yeah this is two words um, so yeah they're kind of making a scene they were just starting to get momentum on their last record but then obviously now they have to take a break but uh, but yeah they're definitely one I'm watching for the traditional scene nice. Yep, yep. Uh, Jake, what's your next pick, sir? All right, so my final track is, uh, yet again, a, a Martin Birch produced and engineered. Um, I like it. Wrathchild from Iron Maiden's Killers album. Good um, one. My I, Power Slave probably for me is still like, either that or Peace of Mind are probably my favorite albums from the from the Maiden era. But uh, Same, same. But Wrathchild, um, I think that, that sort of was maybe, maybe the best song that Paul Diano did as vocalist. And... Uh, so I, I picked that one out. You could still you could still hear because I think that was the first Martin Birch album because he didn't do he didn't do Iron Maiden. So I think the the first one that he did was uh, it was Killers. And so you could definitely hear though that right there at the beginning that he he was setting the tone uh, that that would be a through line through many of their future albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a shift between the first one and Killers, definitely. Yeah, I mean Killers. Yeah, Iron Maiden definitely felt more like a, like almost like a punk album in a way, like a, a British right. punk, um, kind of more like the, you know, like the first Def Leppard album. And I'm trying to remember who else was like kind of coming out of that scene around the same time. But all the, like all the albums of that, that same time frame were very much a similar sort of sound and then Killers mm-hmm. broke away and it, it really kind of was its own thing. Yeah. I kind of feel like yeah. those, those albums, the 1981 albums, are the kind of represent the seam between late seventies, early eighties, hard rock. And then what would kind of, we would start to call metal because metal didn't really exist before, you know, before then they weren't calling it it, it then. I don't think. Um, no, I don't think they were later. We would go back and start calling albums from 80 and 81 metal. I don't know how much they were then. I don't even think Ozzy was calling themselves metal, you know, back yeah. then during blizzard mm-hmm. of oz or any of that so so they didn't know how to mix metal because there wasn't metal you're gonna you're gonna mix a an iron maiden album like a doobie brothers album it's probably gonna sound <laughs> like that <laughs> what do i know i'm not an album producer but but yeah killers sounded i mean steve harris is he's been documented as saying how much but he wishes he could go back and redo the first one just because of how it sounded compared to the second one. And I've never heard him say that about any of the other albums. Well, I didn't hear him say this. That's because Martin Birch. <laughs> um, two, uh, Jeremy, what's your last old school pick for the week? Um, 
back in the the traditional metal vibe. I was listening to some old Armored Saint earlier. And okay. With Can you deliver? Nice. It's just a fun one. That it, it can't get loud enough when that song comes on. And it came on mm-hmm. in the car, and it's just a little bit more, a little bit more. And uh, yeah. yeah, the production quality on that album is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking yeah. Of, speaking of production, but uh, great song. Love Armored yeah. Saint, and they're still going. I don't know if, if people aren't aware. John Bush. Are they really? I, I had Saint. no idea. Yep, they're going. He was he was away with Anthrax, and when he went back, he picked up Armored Saint. And I couldn't tell you who's in the band, but I've, I've listened to all the albums, and I like the old stuff best, just because that's what I heard first. But the new ones are fun too, and fun's oh, yeah. fun's the key word. It is they, fun. they might they might show up a little bit later actually on this list. Um, nice. But yeah, hell yeah, that song is John Bush. This cuts through your speaker stereos. That's another one. Yeah, exactly. That I have to watch out for cops because I started driving too fast. <laughs> um, let's see, so my last old school pick. Um, it's another one. It's not not too old. Probably around the same as Hellfire in a few years. But this band is called Tower. It's out of New York, and this song is called "I've Never Been More Alive," and. Um, same similar story, uh, traditional heavy metal, um, new band doing the old school thing, which of course I have a soft spot for, and um, they're just killing it and doing it right. Um, it's it's very honest. They're not you know trying to do um, old school just to kind of you know like a wink or tongue in cheek thing. They're just they're really just are trying to write the best kick ass music they can, and so catchy and the hooks and I love. I'm, I just love songs with big hooks and big choruses, and they got all that just hooks for days. So um, definitely go back and check out uh, Tower out of New York if you guys haven't out there. And song is I've Never Been More Alive. So kicks That's ass. A cool band name. Yeah. Tower. I like it. Yeah, they're they're charismatic. They got the they got everything going. So I'm definitely another band I'm watching. Um. So yes, yeah, so that's old school picks. That takes us to new tracks. Um, Jake, what's your first of the new tracks? This uh, so the first of my new tracks is uh, there's a, a new band, Firstborn, that is uh, Chris Adler from Lamb of God, their their drummer, or ex okay. ex Lamb of God, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's got a he's got a new band, and uh, it's made up of. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it a super group. I mean, like the I think the bass player played with Megadeth and Black Label Society. Mm-hmm. And uh, like so, the song is "Roll the Dice." It's like a they have a five track EP that they uh, dropped the same day as Lamb of God's new album. I think as kind of a fu okay. to <laughs> Lamb of God. But <laughs> did Chris funny. leave on bad terms? I don't really know anything about that. Um, hard to say. I mean, like there's, there's so much of that that's like feels like artificial drama most of the time. But... Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but cool. yeah, the the timing was uh, suspiciously. Uh, similar yeah yeah but yeah it's, a, it's a, this song and this track is like a really hard driving uh it's it's a good track like the whole the whole thing the five the all five songs are pretty solid that's cool, cool. i'll, check that I'll have to check it, it out yeah is it a similar vocal style no the Lamb it, of god no it's 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 different it's more of like a straight ahead like uh, like roll the dice in particular felt like it could have come off of like too fast for love only only if it oh, was okay. produced now like it's kind okay. of it's kind of more okay. of a straight ahead rock and roll all right oh, yeah. sound like I'll old guys it it's not too heavy is it <laughs> <laughs> no but it's it's, it's nothing like lamb of god like it's... 
Yeah, I'll check it out. His playing's like ridiculous, so well, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah, there's only Ooh. there's only one track where you really could tell that it's his drumming style because this is a lot more straight ahead rock and roll across the board. But the, I think I can't uh -huh. remember the name of the last track on, but the last track um, is definitely one where you could tell that it's it's uh, goes into beast his mode. drumming style. Yeah, right on. Hell yeah. Well, these all end up on the heavy radio podcast playlist on Spotify and I think other places. Yep, um, yep. So I'll be certainly checking checking that out. Yes, um, my next new or my first new one, um, the song is called Heart in Hand by Opeth off their latest one, Incada Venenum, which is Latin. Um, are the are the you guys Opeth fans? I'm I've dabbled. Familiar with them. I have a okay. lot of I have a lot of friends that love them, so I know them through friends. Okay, yeah, new album. Um, it's their twelfth album they've gone through quite a they've covered a lot of ground in their territory starting as a kind of a progressive death metal band and then mm -hmm. going into whatever you call it now um it, it's some people argue it's not even metal anymore um i disagree there's some there's a it's heavy music definitely check it out um yeah to there's so much to say it. yeah if you're an instrument if you enjoy playing any instrument if you um but still like music that's fun to listen to. Um, you know, I like virtuosity as much as anyone else, but some of it kind of leaves me bored because it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not particularly pleasing to listen to yeah, every be, single, a lot of notes. Yeah. Every some single of... person in this band, I think just destroys what it is that they set out to do, but it, the band as a whole is better for it. It doesn't sound like it caters to one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they don't do any heavy vocals anymore. So if, if the super heavy stuff is not your not your thing, um, definitely check it out. I'll have Open to go up. back and listen to them because, yeah, I guess my whole time listening to music, I've always had friends that just love their stuff and super hyped when new things drop. So I'll have to go and just yeah, listen to their music and chill with it a bit. I yeah. probably owe it to do that. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad they're putting out some new stuff. Um, my first new track, um, like, I, like I said, Armored Saint, they're back now. Nice. They have a new song called uh, "End of the Attention Span." That's very John Bush title, um, yep. and he still sounds fucking great. And uh, it just made me like happy when I heard it. It was a surprise for me. Um, they had a new one come out, and this just dropped like days ago. So um, yeah, I was excited. It sounds like Armored Saint. It sounds the production's great. They're ripping riffs are old school. Um, his voice sounds great. So if you just want some some classic Armored Saint. Sounds like they got it for you, so I'm sure an album is not far behind. Uh, this was just a single that came out, so um, I'm excited to hear more. Awesome. Yeah, me too. The newer Armored Saint stuff does sound great. The production's awesome. It's his, just, just that his old voice one. just His <laughs> voice just gets to me, man. I saw him live, and they did with Anthrax, and he did on... I'm sure I've talked about it before, but they did Antisocial, and we were... Mark and I got almost to the front of the stage, and he was like just screaming in our face to say say antisocial, and we weren't doing it loud enough as an audience. And when they finally when they finally kicked off the song, like we were just all amped and moshing, and you know, and like boots are like flying because somebody's crowd surfing. You have to watch out for people taking your head off, and it was just that vibe. So awesome. good times. Um, uh, back to you, Jake. Uh, you last new track for the week. 
So my final track for the week, um, a band called Haunt out of Fresno. They're they're more of a regional band. Um, I know they, them. They have a song called Burst Into Flames that uh, is, a, is, is a fun. Um, that that kind of like completes my uh, Martin Birch tie-in. He did not produce them, but they sound <laughs> very, very, very inspired by uh, uh-huh. Iron Maiden. Um, I saw them live here. That, that was actually the first time I ever had even heard of them. I saw them um, playing a live show here in Santa Cruz, and... Uh, they they have like this kind of cross between Iron Maiden and early Megadeth vibe going on, and and they were a mm-hmm. lot of fun to watch live. And um, that sounds like it can't miss. Yeah, yeah. The production the production on the overall album I think has room for improvement. Kind of kind of similar to what you're talking about about the early Metal Blade records. I think across the board, but it's very very DIY. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's like the Armored Saint through line for that is like like Metal Blade. They just like had lots of horribly produced albums, but. Um, yeah, but if they didn't put them out, who would have? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so Haunt is definitely worth a listen for anybody that's a metal fan. Um, and and if they come to your town, when we can actually all leave our houses and and go places again, go check them out. Yeah, they uh, they're awesome. I got into them maybe a year or two ago, and um, yeah, I've just been I've been a fan since, and just excited about everything they drop. Like their last uh, their last album, full album, I felt like was a jump in sound for them. Just all the way around not just production but like songwriting and structure and and choruses and everything i feel like they really have been stepping up and i'm excited to see them um getting more and more attention so yeah i'll back that up they they kick a lot of ass so yeah oh, their yeah. their singer and uh guitar like, like i think he's like the guy that pretty much writes everything i think he's, he is like kind of the uh dave mustaine of that band i think but uh mm-hmm. He, um, I'm looking forward he, to that. They've got an album a year for the last three years. Yeah, they're yeah. they drop them like once a year. Yeah, but he he's also played on a bunch of other stuff because like he'll it'll pop up. He'll be like, hey, I just recorded drums on this album over here. Go check it out. So mm-hmm. he's he's like super prolific. It's one of those cats. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Jeremy, your last track for the week. Uh, my last one is by Night Demon, um, called Empire's Fall. They've got a new EP out, speaking of EPs, called uh, Visteria, or Visteria, I'm not sure what that word means, uh, but Night Demon, again, in the traditional metal category. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never heard of them. They played in town. I instantly loved them. They're a three-piece, just tons of energy. Loved it. Been following them since. And this just oh, came yeah, they out. Hell Empire's yeah. Empire's Fall. Came out in July. Yeah, hell yeah, those guys tear it up, man. They're another band I watch, and always pay attention to. Hell yeah. Um, my last pick uh, for the week is a band called Venom Prison, and the song is called uh, Damon Vulgaris, and um, it's more more a modern band. Um, brutal vocals, um, the tones, the guitar tones are rad, drum tones, just huge sounding band super aggressive um this is another uh band to put on if you want the walls to start shaking um that's like the aggression sometimes you just want that stuff that's just screaming in your face metal if you're gonna like um go for a run or jump on the treadmill and just need stuff or lift weights just need some shit to amp you up like that's the kind of band this is so um uh new to me i just uh saw the song dropped so i checked it out out of curiosity um I just like the name of the band, so I checked them out and was happy to see it kicked ass. So definitely go check those guys out. I've heard of them. I've 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 seen them on Instagram. 
I came across some of their posts from mm-hmm. I think one of their guitar players and have gone back and forth with him a little bit just on some interesting posts that he made and listen to some of their stuff. And it, it's, it, it's definitely kind of extreme. It's kind of unique sounding. It's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I've been meaning to go back and listen to them some more too. What, yeah. where did you see that at, out of curiosity? Uh, they just came through on Spotify on uh, new metal releases for the week. Okay. So I just clicked on it. I just thought the name was cool. I was like, what's this about? So I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. It is a cool name. Yeah. So, hell yeah. Well, dudes, um, that'll wrap up our episode. Um, uh, Jake, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man, and making time for us. Sure, and, uh, just, Thank you. This has been fun. Hell yeah, man. Welcome back anytime. And uh, Jeremy, thanks for coming back again. Right on. Um, thanks for having me. Good to have you back. And uh, Marco, to wherever you may be, parts unknown for <laughs> wrestling fans out there. Um <laughs> We'll be seeing him next time, I'm sure. Uh, but to everybody out there listening, yeah, um, check us out on iTunes, Google, uh, YouTube, anywhere you get your uh, podcasts. Our playlist is on uh, Spotify. Um, like Jeremy said, the Heavy Radio Podcast playlist. Search for that. And um, also, Marco has our uh, playlist going up on YouTube, so check out the music. But uh, thanks, guys, for coming on the show. Thank you for all you guys listening, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you.